And good morning, Memphis. Welcome back to the morning show. I sound like a game show host. Let me try that again. Good morning, Memphis. Happy Leap Day. Or is it Leap Year Day? It is the 29th of February. And if you are born today, if this is your birthday, well, let's celebrate it big because you probably won't have too many of these birthdays. By the way, there was a woman in Oklahoma who is turning 100 years old today. So technically, though she may be hitting the big century birthday, she's only 25. (laughs) She's very, very old. Uh, This is interesting because, as you guys know, February 29th comes around every four years. So this woman, her name is Mary again out of Oklahoma, has been able to celebrate the actual day a handful of times over her long life. So she was honored yesterday by the Centurions of Oklahoma. That's a big group. They celebrate anybody that and and honor these people that turn over 100 years old. And she said the key to her long, long life was she read the Bible every single day. So while you're listening to the show, pull out your Bible. If you want a long, long life, it is found in the scriptures. Did you know this? That the odds of being born on February 29th is about 1 in 1,461. There are only about 5,000 million people in the world born on this day, according to history.com. So if it is your birthday, please call in because I will celebrate you because I know you just don't get... What do they do? Do they celebrate their birthday? Now, my mom always told me, The thing about leap year was girls get to propose to guys. Have you guys heard that? Was that like just my mom telling me these things? I don't know. I guess it was like a tradition where every leap year, it gives females the opportunity to pop the question to dudes. So if you're getting engaged, if we have our female listening audience out there and one of you guys are going to pop the question, again, please call into the morning show and we'll talk your big engagement. Here's our number, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. So let's get into the show. We have a big one, by the way. Bill Haggerty is joining us in about 10 minutes. Also, this is interesting. So he took a big delegation of mayors, district attorneys, other lawmakers in the state of Tennessee down to the southern border, which is wide open. So one of the guys he took with him is the Knox County mayor, Maybe you know him by his other name, Kane. He's a professional wrestler. He'd been signed by WWE since 1995. So interestingly enough, Glenn Jacobs is also going to be on the show. That was not planned. So we've got Bill Haggerty, then Glenn Jacobs. They were both at the border. Then at 835 for our friends over in DeSoto County, Dan Eubanks is a Mississippi candidate for the United States Senate. I met him back in the summer of last year. He's your state representative. Well, he wants to expand his service on the national level. He'll join us at 835 this morning. But I did want to talk about our mayor, Paul Young, who I believe has evolved. I think that when he ran for office, He was a politician for everyone. He was a politician for the Blue Bloods. He was a politician for the community activists, decarcerate Memphis, Republicans and Democrats. He came on this show a lot, actually. And his message was pretty bipartisan. I'm not, yes, I'm a Democrat, but I work with Republicans. I have all my life. I'm the son of a pastor. He came across very, very, the guy next door. 
what has happened since is very interesting to me. And I'm curious to know if our listeners, those in the city of Memphis and outside Memphis proper in Shelby County, have noticed the evolution process of Mayor Paul Young. Because it's not a good evolution. It's not good. He's a community organizer. Don't forget that. I mean, look at the community organizers. I mean, none bigger than Barack Obama. And I feel like this guy has taken a page or two out of Barack Obama's playbook and he's implementing it here on the city of Memphis. So he has no, we've, uh, we've discussed at large the mayor's sit down with the gangbangers in the city of Memphis. What, what day are we on? Because this was a seven day ceasefire and the shootings have continued. Now, the meeting with the gangbangers, the Crips, they were, uh, I believe that was two weeks ago. So with the seven days over, the come and gone, are, we allow- are they allowed to shoot people? That's what I want to know. I want to know, is there a data tracker on these gangs? Have they actually kept their promises? Because believe me, City Hall was trying to keep their promises by building more community centers because that was what these gangbangers were bargaining for. If we could just get another basketball court, we will actually set our guns down. We will come to the table and we will be productive members of Memphis society. So Channel 5 asked them recently, this was Joyce Peterson, if these meetings with gangbangers are going to continue. And so you'll hear Memphis Mayor Paul Young, and you'll also hear Darrell Cowan. He's the founder of Heal 901. He was the dude that helped coordinate this big meeting. want you to take a listen here in Cut 17. I want to talk to any and all. Um, and so that's part of our overarching holistic strategy. When people aren't heard, this is what you're going to get. When people are asking for things and we're not meeting them and listening to them, they're going to find a way to get your attention. And I'm pretty sure they have everyone's attention right now. Oh, I mean, certainly we, we are all watching. We are all listening. We are all paying attention. I mean, why are we negotiating with these people? And I will be on it. So I'm on Instagram. I have a lot of young friends and they love this. They think this is going to stop Memphis crime. Our mayor is going into the hood and this partnership with these people that have been neglected. I mean, the victims here are the thugs. It's not the people that are being gunned down. It's not the women that are terrorized to go to Kroger. It is actually the people that are running around taking over our streets, the people that are carjacking, the people that are smashing and grabbing these robberies. I have another story. Young Avenue, which is like my favorite place to go in Cooper Young, they just got hit yesterday morning. We'll jump into that story in one moment. Um, So Mr. Cowan, the founder of Heal 901, the guy that you just heard from, who said these people, these gangbangers, they just want to be heard. And when they're not heard, what choice do they have but to terrorize the city of Memphis? So it is good that our mayor is continuing the sit-downs and hopefully extending this seven-day ceasefire with the Crips. Oh, my God. It's, it's insane. So he goes on and explains, again, how they set this meeting up in cut, uh, cut number 19, please. It's not rolling out the red carpet. It was a closed door meeting, and it was important that it was closed door so that they can speak freely without fear of prosecution. Is there more gang activity in Memphis now than, say, a decade or 20 or 30 years ago? 
what I think has happened is that we progressively seen new gangs formalized. This is not the traditional area of where you just had four or five gangs and you were able to talk to four or five individuals. We have hybrid gangs and you're talking about these gangs are popping up in various communities. So how are Memphians reacting to this? Well, that reporter asked a couple of them that will come back to the point I was making about our mayor being a community activist and organizer before being a mayor for all Memphis Republicans and Democrat uh, Democrats. Take a listen to this in cut number 18. Here are the people and how they are receiving the sit down with the gangs. Cut 18. So maybe seven will turn into 14, 14 will turn into 28, and so on and so on. So anything that we can do to help stop the violence and do better things for our young people, that's great. Start at the root of it. Start locking these parents up, making them accountable for these juveniles. I agree with that, right? The parents of these thugs do need to be held accountable. But what I find very interesting, so... There are these different organizations now um, that are meeting together in what they're calling One Memphis. And it is where they meet with stakeholders and a lot of concerns, concerned Memphians. And I want you to take a listen to what the mayor had to say. This was the most important message he had for the citizens of Memphis here in cut number seven, please. We're the largest majority black city in the nation. My goal is for us to wear that with, as a badge of honor. My cousin was shot dead on Bill Street. My store in Whitehaven have been hit not one time, not two times, but three times. I got a restaurant that's been broken into several times. We've made several arrests of individuals who are part of these scra- uh, smash and grabs. Our issue, and I'm just going to put it out there sometime, keeping them in jail. If you heard it in the initial comments by Memphis Mayor Paul Young, he said, we're the largest majority black city in the nation. My goal is for us to wear that as a badge of honor. This is very similar to what Elsie's been saying, which is when people think of the Bluff City, I want them to think of black people, not white people, black swagger. Which begs the question, what about the rest of us, Mr. Mayor? That's my question. It's divisive and it's dangerous rhetoric. We'll be right back with Senator Bill Haggerty. Don't go away. President Joe Biden will be at the southern border making a visit to Brownsville, Texas today, marking his only second trip to the border since becoming a career politician back in the 1970s. Is this an election year stunt? Well, we'll ask a guy who just went to the southern border. That'd be Senator Bill Haggerty, who joins us on our phone lines this morning. Senator Haggerty, thank you for joining us on The Morning Show. How are you? I'm I'm good. As always, it's great to be with you and all of our listeners there, particularly in West Tennessee and Memphis today. Thank you. Again, we've played some of the audio of your trip to the southern border, your conversation with Martin Walls, the Eagle Pass rancher. I want you to share with our listeners what you saw along with the delegation that you took down south and the real consequences this is having having on real real Americans. I will do, Ben. First, let me just say this. I've I've been to our border in California. I've been to our border in Arizona. I've been multiple times now to the border in Texas. This is the worst I have seen it. This is the worst I've seen it. But this has been precipitated since January of 2021 when Joe Biden came into office and collapsed all of the things that President Trump had done 
to deliver the most secure border that we've seen in my lifetime. Biden undid all of that. He's precipitated just an avalanche of human carnage down there. And I'll tell you what I saw on Martin Wall's ranch. He's got a ranch that has, you know, it's, it's, it's a large cattle ranch that no longer operates because the coyotes and the cartels send these people across. These are not people that they're sending in, by the way, to present themselves for asylum. Those people show up, they get their names taken down, they get uh, you know, clothing, they get a cash, they get a ticket, to, uh, whether it be by train or by bus or by plane, wherever they want to go into the interior of the United States. They get the white glove Joe Biden treatment. You know, they're treated better than mm-hmm. many Americans. They're kicking kids out of schools in New York City to accommodate these people. They're putting them in the hotels. No, no. These are the people that are the so-called, quote, gotaways. They're the ones that are coming through Martin's Ranch. You've got to wonder why are they there. They're cutting his fence every night. He said, I've just stopped trying to repair it. I can't run cattle here anymore. His livelihood is gone. He told me the other day he found 15 Syrians on his property. What are 15 Syrians doing? Well, obviously, they're not here to claim asylum. Otherwise, they would have gone through the Joe Biden white glove treatment. They're here for another reason. He said his wife woke him one morning early. She could hear something in the kitchen. He grabbed his pistol. He walked out into the kitchen. 20 adult age, I'm sorry, adult military age men, he told me, were standing in his kitchen eating out of his refrigerator. When he told them to leave, they told him that he'd run out of beer to go get them some more. This is an American, a fifth generation rancher on that property being told to get out of his own house, out of his way, go get him, go get them beer. These are people that have broken into his home. He's now been told by Customs and Border Patrol and local law enforcement that his children, his 18-year-old daughter, his son I met, between 10 and 12 years old, they shouldn't go out on the property unless they're armed or unless they're with somebody who is armed. This is just a disgrace that Americans are being subjected to this, and you've really got to wonder, who are these people that are coming in illegally? And then i tell you one more thing. I saw it was getting dusk, and the the, the rancher said, look over in the horizon there. You're going to start to see some blue lights uh, blinking shortly. Sure enough, uh, we start seeing blue lights Blue lights are blinking. He said, those are comfort stations paid for with our own tax dollars. These comfort stations are set up by the U.S. government. They've got telephone charging stations there, water, and sometimes food. I said, why do they have phone charging stations there? He said, the coyotes bring in these people illegally. These are, again, the gotaways. They bring these people in and use pin drops on GPS systems. They've got to keep their phone charged so they can find their way to pick up their illegal ride or to hop on the train that runs through Martin's property and use that to get into the interior of the country. Mm. This whole thing is a criminal operation. The southern border has been completely ceded to the cartels at the northern border of Mexico. They control our border right now, not the United States of America. And as horrible as Martin's story is, and the fact that you're highlighting that is so important, it has not ended in his death, which is not the story of Lake Lynn Lakin Riley, excuse me, that 22-year-old nursing student down in Georgia. And as you pointed out, it was completely avoidable, this tragedy. It's why you brought a couple different amendments providing resources to deport said illegal immigrants, this Athens resident, as the AP is calling him. But this is how the Democrats are spinning this. Here is Congresswoman Katie Porter on this college student's death. Take a listen to this. Want to get your response in cut number four. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. I mean, Senator, what oh a callous God. thing to oh say. God. 
I, I can't believe how heartless these Democrats are. They just continue to look the other way while this carnage occurs in our country. That young lady is somebody's daughter. That young lady may be somebody's girlfriend or sister. And she was killed by somebody that got in here illegally. Somebody from Venezuela. You know, we don't have good information on people from Venezuela. You're not wow. supposed to be allowed into this country if you're a terrorist or, or if you're a criminal. But the presumption that the Biden administration is forces, we don't have any good information. We presume you're okay. Let you come in. Well, guess what? The guy gets his ticket to New York City, breaks the law up there. He gets thrown in jail. But again, New York City is a sanctuary city. Don't forget this. New York City is a sanctuary city. So they turn him loose, no cash bail, put him right back out on the street. They don't call ICE, which is what they should do, but they don't enforce the border laws in New York City because they're a sanctuary city. This guy gets out, comes to Georgia, commits another crime, this time far more heinous than the first crime that we know about in New York, this time resulting in this girl's life. This is a combination of Democrat policies that are resulting in carnage in America, taking young Americans' lives. And we absolutely need to use this as a reason and a rationale to stop this, to change our immigration policy, to bring it back to what worked under President Trump. That's why I hope that this trip that Joe Biden is taking today is because he's waking up. He's hearing stories like Martin Walls, like uh, this, this young girl in Georgia. He's hearing these stories. The public is certainly, certainly upset about it. Perhaps we will see some action from him now. All he has to do is go back to the policies that President Trump instituted that were working. As painful as it is for Joe Biden to admit President Trump was right, it's time for him to do that. And the Border Patrol Union down south, they're, they're not buying it. Here's the statement they released when President Biden announced he was taking this trip to the border. They said, Joe Biden doesn't give one crap about fixing the border. We wish he would just go to the zoo, eat ice cream, and feed the animals. He likely wouldn't know the difference anyway. At least something useful would be accomplished. Too little, too late, Joe. So here's my question to you. Are Americans waking up? Because the question we've asked you multiple times, and I think you are one of the only elected officials talking about this, there's no reason or logic to let our southern border be wide open and let these very dangerous people into the country unless it's all about retaining power. Is this what this is all about? Because otherwise it doesn't make sense on its face. This is all you need to know. I put forward legislation that would make it clear that only citizens can be counted for the purpose of allocating congressional districts and electoral votes. Right now, the way it works, illegal immigrants are counted for the purposes of allocating congressional seats across the country and for the purposes of allocating electoral votes for the presidential race. You think about the states that are losing population right now, losing citizens, I might add. There's states like California, Illinois, New York. Back to our earlier conversation, where have they located the sanctuary cities? New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. This is an effort, once these people have entered our country, broken into our country illegally, where are they most likely to go? They most most likely to go to the place where the border laws will not be enforced, where immigration laws will not be enforced. Just like this guy who broke out and went to New York and um, was released immediately without being handed over to ICE, as he should have been after committing the crime that he did in New York City. This is what's happening. They are using illegal immigrants as a means to retain power. They want to hold on to those congressional seats. We, in fact, have a Brooklyn congressman, a U.S. congressman from Brooklyn. She's, in fact, from that district that lost their school. Remember they kicked the kids out of school and said we're going to put the illegal migrants in the school? Yeah. Kids are going to have to start studying from Zoom. That's her district. She wants these illegal immigrants there to retain her district. She said it on film. We got it. This is the incentive. This is the motivation. If you think about it, Every crime needs to have a motive. We know what the crime is at our southern border. 
The motive is power, just as you said, and they will not let this see the light of day. They've done everything they can to block my legislation. I'm going to keep pushing it every single day, but we've got to get control of the Senate to make this happen, to stop this and to shut it off. All right, going to leave it there. Actually, joining us next is Glenn Jacobs, who went to the border with you. So we'll pick up the conversation on the other side. Senator, thank you for fighting the good fight, and thanks for joining us this morning with that report. Certainly. All the best. All right, going to leave it there. As mentioned, Glenn Jacobs, the Knox County mayor, a true American patriot, is going to be joining the program. This, as Congress is potentially running out of time to keep the government open, senators in both parties warning that they will likely need to pass. This is so frustrating. Another short-term funding bill to prevent another partial shutdown this weekend. Here is Senator Mitch McConnell Take a listen to this. He was asked about what the House needs to do in order to keep that government open. Cut 15. You, you can ask the speaker about his views. I, I give you mine. You're familiar with them. Uh, what I hope is that the House will take up the Senate bill and let the House work its way. If they change it and send it back here, we have further delays. Not only do we not want to shut the government down, we don't want the Russians to win in Ukraine. And so we have a time problem here. And the best way to move quickly and get the bill to the president would be for the House to take up the Senate bill and pass it. Nope. That's going to be a hard no for me and for a lot of true America First politicians and the American people. No, we don't want to just give President Joe Biden the bill to sign because That gives him a golden parachute to say, we did something about the border. We have the funding. Mind you, there's a little bit of pocket change for the southern border. Meanwhile, billions of more dollars for another border. That would be eastern Ukraine or eastern Europe in Ukraine. Now, not buying it, not taking the bait. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. Glad to have you guys joining the number one morning show in this city of Memphis. We've got to flex that from time to time. Want to go back to our phone lines. Very excited to welcome on the Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs, who was with our last guest, U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty. Also, he was just with the president of the United States. So we've got to talk to him. Welcome to the program, Mr. Jacobs. How are you? Hey, thank you. I'm doing great. How are you this morning? I cannot complain. Very blessed. Let's start with uh, President Trump being in Nashville recently. This as we're seeing the president win these primaries time and time again. You are with the president in Iowa. Of course, he's gone on. The latest was Michigan, where he won in a landslide. I was looking at some recent polling. He's up in all of the seven swing states. This is a movement. Oh, absolutely. Um, When we think back to when President Trump uh, won the first time, and that really redefined uh, American politics. And, of course, (laughs) there was a a really concerted effort to keep him on the sidelines, and now, uh, in in this election, it's a rejection of the Biden agenda and so many things that the left is trying to foist on this country. And, you know, you can just see it. I mean, there's, there's a sea change, and I think people are 
you know, tired. It's, it's, they're tired of no one listening to them. They're tired of no one worrying about their issues and their problems. And folks like Donald Trump are the, the people that are listening and the people that will take action. And I, I, again, I just think people are fed up with everything that's been coming out of Washington, you know, not only the past couple of years, but past few decades, unfortunately. And you're seeing that effort to take out the former president yesterday. For example, a judge in Illinois kicked Trump yeah. off the ballot. Cook County, uh, Cook County judge mandating that he was involved in a quote unquote insurrection on January yeah. 6th. Isn't it cool? Yeah. Due process. You get, you, you just get accused of something now and bam, they, you, you have to face the consequences for a crime you've never even been convicted of. You know, why don't judge doesn't like that? That's this is ridiculous. And it's completely un-American. And even the folks out there that might hate Donald Trump should be looking at the situation. They should be very afraid of what's happening to this country, because guess what? You could be next no matter what political party you belong to, no matter what you believe in. Exactly right. And I have a suggestion for them. If we want to play that game, well, Biden should be removed from the ballot in all 50 states. Why? Well, because he is quite literally Mr. Jacobs orchestrating a border invasion, which you saw firsthand with the senator. Yeah, I, I did. And not, not only that, uh, just the corruption and all the, the questions surrounding Biden and Hunter and everything that they've done. Uh, you know, Trump is in there and you have these hoaxes like Russia, 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 and all these different things. And it was all just a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of malarkey, or in Joe Biden's terms, a bunch of baloney. But there's a lot of smoke and there's a lot of fire concerning Joe Biden and what he's done, what his family's done. But suddenly that's okay. Um, and, and yeah, turning to the border, I'd like to thank uh, Senator Haggerty for allowing us to accompany him. Uh, we're very fortunate in Tennessee. We have two great United States senators. We kind of have like the anti Elizabeth Warren and the anti Chuck Schumer. The best. We absolutely yeah. do. So did you see it? I mean, we were talking with the senator and, for example, there was one family that he spoke to. We have a little bit of this story. I want you to take a listen and cut number 14. The senator detailed this Eagle Pass rancher, Martin Well, where he told yeah. you guys firsthand about the border crisis, the ramifications. Take a listen and cut number 14. She woke me up. She goes, there's uh, like 20 illegals in our kitchen. Wow. Said, what? I walked out of here and walked in there with a pistol in my underwear. And I said, get the fuck out of my house. And they spit in my face and told me, you go to hell and you can go to town and buy us more beer. They drink all the beer. And I was like, what the hell? So I cocked that pistol back and they went and walked out into my barn. And uh, I said, damn it. So I went to walking down there and my wife said, that's real smart. They didn't have no fear. Yeah. And I said, all right. So I called the border patrol and they were like, you're on your own, bud. Seriously, they said that. They were so overwhelmed. They said, you're on your own, bud. I'm sorry. So, let me show you some pictures of what we find every day here. Yeah, I'm like, this lady here got her. I saw her get run over, and I had to sit on the other side of the tracks watching her get run over until she got molded to the tracks. A lot of people don't understand or appreciate the carnage that's happening to the people that the cartels are ferrying into this country. This isn't normal life. This isn't the way we're supposed to live. And you can see right here, there's no way a rancher can maintain cattle with illegals coming through and destroying these fences. The cartels control this part of our nation right now. So who, who pays for this? Uh, we do. 
my whole operations had it's been stopped for three years. And you were just telling me you saw a bunch of people from Syria. Somalia, Syria, China. Right here on this property. On this right here. All right, so you hear that. I mean, this is unbelievable that this is happening in America. These are Americans, and they are under attack. They're under siege, and yet we're letting it happen. You've got Mayorkas saying there's no invasion at the southern border. The border is closed. Well, uh, Eagle Pass is now closed, but it's thanks to the state of Texas, not the feds. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they've done a, you know, we went to uh, Shelby Park and uh, Texas uh, Highway Patrol, the Department of Public Safety, uh, as well as the National Guard has pretty good handle on things there. Of course, you know, what, what they say has happened is that really it's been pushed to other areas uh, where, Obviously, there's not as much enforcement. There's not as much control. But yeah, I was I was there when the senator was talking with Mr. Wall and everything that he's going through, and it's really sad. And I think the things that I came away with were um, that the cartels are in charge. This is no longer just haphazard uh, people crossing the border looking for a better life and, and things like that. This is organized, uh, and it's a massive human trafficking operation. Uh, we were told by the authorities there that uh, the, the drug trafficking has actually dropped down to number two with the cartel's revenue source. Now it's the human trafficking that is number one. And also, as Mr. Wall talked about, um, just the attitude of the, the migrants have changed. He said that it used to be that they would, yeah, they would come through, they'll cut his fence, but then they would actually fix it. And they would come to the house looking for work and those sort of things. But as you heard, at one point, he had his fence was cut 77 times in 77 different places in two weeks. And uh, one night he woke up and there were people literally in his kitchen. <laughs> and this is something you don't do in Texas, drinking his beer, of all things. Uh, and he, he literally had to chase them off at gunpoint. Uh, so this whole, this whole situation has changed. I feel bad for everybody. I feel bad for the migrants were involved because these folks are literally now putting their hands and the lie their lives in the hands of the cartels uh, who have absolutely no compunction against killing someone and leaving them in the desert. We heard those stories as well. So it's a, it's a horrible situation for everybody involved. Um, wanted to, except for the cartels. Except for the cartels. Exactly. Talking yeah. to Knox County mayor, Glenn Jacobs on the phone line. This is interesting. We have a lot of fans of you, even though we're on the west side of the the state. Uh, of course, w- when we teased you coming up, we said many people might know you by your ring name, Kane, a professional wrestler, WWE. Many sure. be- many people know who you are. As I've watched your political career and your activism, and I hate using that word, but your vocal and your political opinions. What has that been like? Because I see some of the reaction you get on social media, Mr. Jacobs, of these people that have been big fans of you, but the idea that you have a pro wrestler like yourself that's also on the Trump train, a MAGA first, America first patriot. Does it bother you at all? I'm just curious. This is this is a just me to you question. Sure. That's a great question. I know it doesn't bother me. I mean, of course, everyone wants, I'm just like everyone else, I want people to like me. Uh, but at the same time, I also have to stay true to my convictions and my principles, and that's the most important thing. Um, it does get frustrating because sometimes it seems like a lot of the things that we talk about, they're just common sense, right? This is not rocket science. Uh, and I think that people, you know, we all get in our tribes, and 
sometimes get blinded to reality because of that. And that's something I'd really try to be as objective as I possibly can. Uh, you know, but for me, I analyze, I analyze what's going on around me and, um, that's kind of where I come to my conclusions about things. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't deny reality just so I can be part of the club because that's just not how I'm wired. Um, and oftentimes what we see is, you know, throughout history, the people that are ridiculed uh, end up being right. Be, just They don't go with the flow, um, but that's why they end up being right. And Mark Twain said, if you're, if you find yourself, uh, Running with the herd, you probably need to reevaluate things because the herd runs in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it, and we need strong voices. Fortunately, we're in a state like Tennessee. I think my I thank my lucky stars and God every single day that we get to broadcast in the Volunteer State, even though we are on the west side in a super majority of far leftist progressives here in Memphis, but. You know, that's our problem, not yours. Guys, I want you to go follow Glenn on social media. You can find him at Glenn Jacobs TN. Thank you for dropping by that report on the border. We're better for it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right. Good stuff. All right. On the other side of the break, we're going to jump into some local headlines. By the way, Sassy the Sasquatch. Do you know her? <laughs> Maybe not because she is a icon in Cooper Young. This is a... This is a statue. Well, she's been stolen. And the owner of Sassy the Sasquatch is asking Cooper Young residents, the entire city, to help bring Sassy home. We'll try to do that on the other side. Don't go away. So it's not uncommon for things to be stolen in the city of Memphis. We've got about 55 cars that are stolen off our streets every single day, but rarely do we see three-foot solid concrete statues, statues, excuse me, being swiped, especially in Cooper Young. That is the liberals' mecca. Well, that's exactly what happened to a statue known as Sassy the Sasquatch around town. This is a very, very, uh, I mean, a Sasquatch is not a beautiful thing. And they try to make Sassy very beautiful. For example, the owner of this Sasquatch, her name is Jennifer Jordan. You're about ready to hear from her in one moment. She dresses up Sassy for different events. So, for example, we just got past the holiday of Valentine's Day. Sassy had a red scarf on. Right now, Sassy is adorning Memphis Tigers memorabilia and the the jerseys for St. Patrick's Day, Sassy, you get the point, right? An icon, <laughs> as the cool kids say. Anyways, the icon is MIA. She's gone because a Memphis thug stole her. So now Jennifer Jordan is asking to get her Sasquatch home and returned ASAP, cut number 10. Oh, she's, yeah, she's about three feet and just solid concrete. Yep. So it's, it's I mean, very heavy. Well, I mean, she, um, yeah, she, I dress her up. So she, she's dressed up uh, for almost every holiday. So right now she's, she's in Memphis Tiger gear. She's got her own little football jersey and she's wearing a white tutu wrapped in some solar lights. So she lights up at night. And I mean, you know, she's, she's kind of a na- neighborhood icon. She just, everybody just loves to walk by her and she brings smiles to people and people take selfies with her. It's pretty cute. It looked like they were, you know, picking up things on the side of the road, although she was not on the side of the road. Um, 
you know, I just, I mean, you know, you hope that it was an innocent thing, but you know, just, you know, she, she just, she's a staple in, in Cooper Young. I mean, she's one of the things that makes Cooper Young so unique. So she needs to be returned for sure. I just think she's, you know, she's unique to the, to Cooper Young. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's weird not seeing her out there on the front steps. Hmm. So if you find Sassy, please return the statue to Jennifer. Speaking of Cooper Young, Young Avenue Deli. We told you about this briefly in the first segment. I go here all the time. They have incredible burgers. They have wonderful sweet potato fries. Also, their beers are cheap. They've got local beers. Yesterday morning, the owners responded to an alarm clock uh, or an alarm call, excuse me, at the restaurant. This happened at 5.59. Officers arrived to Young Ave. That's what the locals call it and discovered the front door glass had been destroyed. When they went inside Young Ave, they found that the only missing property was a cash register, though it was empty. Does one a lot of good, doesn't it? And an empty black bag used for banking. So they stole products, but there were nothing in the stolen products. There are two suspects of interest wearing dark clothes. They left in an SUV, one armed with a yellow crowbar. It's like, come on. Like, at this point, now, Young Av and the owners there, who are already dealing with just the pricing surges that everybody's dealing with, they have to restore their broken windows and their door. I can't imagine how frustrating this must be for local businesses. So anyways, the suspects exited the business bed off in their SUV. Memphis police are hoping to make an arrest very soon. I don't expect that to happen not because our police officers are incompetent but because we have a judicial system that when they do get these perpetrators they will be released back out of jail tomorrow i think in the annals of history we will all laugh at ourselves because we bow down to the pronoun mafia i mean think about this this was post 2020 i mean 2020 genuinely changed everything You have COVID, and then you had the Me Too movement right before that. Then you had the BLM riots throughout the country. And I just feel like we have not recovered since then. Injected into all of that madness, we had the LGBT uprise. And we all had to deal with the pronoun thing. It was so frustrating. I would get on Instagram, and the next thing, a buddy of mine would have changed his username, and right below his name would be a parenthesis, and inside those parentheses were he, him. Like, I didn't know that he was a dude. But thank you, Jacob. Thank you, thank you, Jerry, for telling me that you're a dude. Right? And, and like, it was on LinkedIn. It then got on Facebook. You go to a Starbucks, and you look at the barista, who's clearly a chick, and you look at her name tag, and underneath Jeanette, her name is she sure. I just made that one up. You get the point. It's it's unbelievable. So Jeopardy obviously has been woke for a while now. I mean, find a game show that's not woke. So they're coming under fire because they had a question about neo pronouns. Which if I was on the game show and someone asked me what a neo pronoun, you better believe I would have forfeited all of my money. First of all, because I wouldn't have known, but I would have looked at the game show host and said, "Shut up. This is." D- what kind of question is this? A neo pronoun? 
Well, I guess, and you'll hear this, it is a part of speech that we should know. Take a listen to this Jeopardy contestant here in cut number 24. Parts of speech six. Zem, Zers, Zemself. Chris, what are pronouns? Those are pronouns, neo pronouns. You have 62. (laughs) So we got $600 for it. That was the 600 selection of the category titled parts of speech. Now, my question to our listeners, if that was you on the game show and you had to answer what are Zem, Zers, Zemselves, would you have known that? Because I can tell you right now, I would not have. And as I said, I think one day we will look back and we will go, what the hell were we doing? And it's all about changing language. We've talked about this extensively on the show. If you can get a whole group of just young people that have never questioned their sex and their gender to now have to make a decision of whether they are a he, him, or a she, her, or a they, them, zer, themselves, you start muddying those definitions, right? Well, maybe there are other genders. And that's where they then come in and say, well, believe it or not, according to this this health journal, there are 14 different genders. So when you are filling out FAFSA for your college application and you need some some loans from the government and we ask you your gender, there are the option to check other or they, them, zers, themselves. And that is embarrassing that we fell for that woke shenanigan. A new study has come out that revealed the obvious, which is that men are more likely to let themselves go and gain happy fat after marriage. Is anybody shocked by this? I'm not. You've seen it. The guys get married or they're dating. And this applies to women. Let's be very honest. They've got to get in the outfits for the wedding. They want to look good for their date. And then they put a ring on it, and then things start sliding all over the place. So a new journal has come out that shows marriage has a significant positive effect on your BMI, specifically among males within the first five years of marriage. What that study found was that marriage is associated with a 5.2 increase in getting fatter. Experts noted that this spike in BMI came as men tended to eat more and exercise less as their marriage continued. What this tells me is that they feel secure and that they feel safe, that they don't have to worry about landing 14 other dates because for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, you put the ring on it, you take your vows, and the rest is, you know, utopia. I hope so, anyhow. Then you see the statistics where one in two marriages end in divorce. So maybe get back to the gym. I don't know that that's the leading cause of divorce, though. I don't think it is. So just an interesting study that you should know as you go on this Thursday morning. More on the other side. Don't go away. It's going to be a lot of fun. And welcome back to the morning show Glad to have you guys. Let me give you a quick traffic update It was as we start hour number two. Biggest concern is on westbound lanes in I-40, at I-40 at the Chambers Chapel Road overpass. Earlier in the morning, about an hour and a half ago, a car flipped off a carrier into the grass, and we had delays in both directions. About 30 minutes ago, we had a wrecker come grab one of those vehicles, and everything 
since then has been cleared up as I look at traffic cameras at 8.05 this morning. The backups are just in both directions. So that is the real commuter headache this morning. Other than that, things are looking pretty good. But again, Commander Chuck is on traffic and we will jump in and tell you what you should know as you go. So it is not that difficult to send a message to criminal thugs that there will be consequences for your actions. And and this is how it's done. And I want to go over to DeSoto County because what they're doing is effective. But the folks in DeSoto County, they just think differently. Have you thought of that? Like, no shade to Memphis because I am a Memphian through and through. I would live here all over again. Someone yesterday said, Ben, it's time for you to move out to the Burps. And I said, heck no. I love downtown. I will live in downtown as long as I live in Memphis. Memphis is unique. It's got grunt, but we're dumb. Okay? We are just a stupid city sometimes. We're great. We're very kind. Unless we shoot each other. But you get the point. Like, again, I'm not poo-pooing on the city that I love. But we just think differently. We think like leftists. Whereas over in DeSoto, when I've hung out with the folks there and in other counties, like Tipton County, for example, they just get it. Fayette County, same thing. They're not controlled and run by radical progressives. Like, it's not that difficult. It's not rocket science. So, last summer... We were at a couple different events in DeSoto, and they had some really interesting primaries. By the way, we're going to be joined by State Representative Dan Eubanks at 835 this morning. He's running for Senate, so that is for our DeSoto County listeners. And we met a guy by the name of Matthew Barton. Now, Matthew Barton was a prosecutor, but he was running to be the top prosecutor in DeSoto County as the district attorney. He won his race, and he ran on a campaign of... We are going to stop Memphis and save Mississippi, save DeSoto. It was actually his campaign slogan, very effective. Well, he had an opportunity to make that campaign promise a reality. And he did that by throwing a kid, a young kid by the name of Kyle Dodson in a penitentiary. Now, Kyle is only 21 years old. Our public officials and prosecutors would look at a guy named Kyle and say, oh, he's a youngster. His brain isn't fully developed. Therefore, let's give him more chances, but not in DeSoto County. I want you to guess how many hours and how many days it took for a North Mississippi jury to find that this Memphis 21-year-old was guilty of attempted first-degree murder. Four hours. They brought the case on Monday. They had a verdict on Tuesday. (laughs) These people get it. We don't get it. So let me tell you what Kyle did before we share more about the template that we could adopt today and stop Memphis crime. So the district attorney said that in the process of 21-year-old Kyle Dodson trying to steal a Nissan Maxima, a South Haven police officer showed up and was ambushed from behind with gunfire from one of the individuals that would be Kyle Dodson, who was convicted of firing at an officer while The officer's back was turned. What happened in this affidavit is that Kyle was in Memphis trying to steal a car. He was unsuccessful. So they rode into South Haven and went looking for a car over there to steal. When an officer arrived on the scene, that is when Kyle and the thug rats opened fire on him, on this officer. Fortunately, the officer was uninjured. Now, 
What did Kyle do when he was in front of the judge, in front of the district attorney, the prosecutors, and the jury? He asked for a plea agreement. Please, judge, I'll plead guilty if you give me a better deal. And what did the DA's office do? He declined it. And DA Barton said he wanted to secure a conviction as soon as possible in hopes that Kyle does not receive a lesser sentence in the future. He wants this kid to serve the rest of his years behind bars, the rest of his days in prison. And here was what DA Barton had to say. This is the quintessential example of a Memphis criminal coming to Memphis just to commit a crime. They came here just to steal a car. Kyle Dodson brought a gun with him to be the lookout. His only job was to shoot anyone that interfered with their criminal scheme. And that happened to be a police officer, which makes it only more egregious. My message is this, Barton went on to say, this reporting by the Daily Memphian. If you're coming from Memphis and you come to Mississippi to commit a crime, we're not sending you back to the Bluff City. We're sending you to the Parchment Prison. And that is the Mississippi State Penitentiary which is a maximum security prison farm located um, in Sunflower County. That tough message resonates with young 21-year-olds in Memphis. What it tells them is you may get by stealing Granny's car in Kroger's parking lot in the Bluff City, but if you try your criminal scheme in DeSoto County, Not only will you be convicted, but we will seek not the death penalty if it's not an actual first degree murder charge, but if it's attempted first degree murder and it's a cop and it's one of our law enforcement officers, you will be behind bars, not just for 30 years, but until you die. But for some reason, we just cannot think that way. Thomas Tuggle, the sheriff in DeSoto County. That was his campaign message, and it was effective. People want that because we know what happens with crime. It seeks out surrounding areas. So I wanted to share that because there is good news happening in the Mid-South. It's just happening at City Hall downtown, which leads me to our next story. And a lot of you guys have been responding to what we've been talking about with our community organizer turned Memphis Mayor Paul Young. So his recent comments are that when people look at Memphis, they want to view black swagger. They want to see it as a black city and that be a badge of honor. We'll roll through a couple. This goes all the way back to when he first was elected office. There was a big presser down at City Hall. And here was what the the, uh, the mayor had to say about our reputation across the country and how we should view the city of Memphis in Cut 22. Memphis was recently named the largest city in America with the highest number of African Americans per capita, more than any city in this country. I want to make sure that that is a designation that we hold with honor, that we hold with dignity. It's one that only we can claim. When people think of Memphis, we want them to think of black wealth, black culture, a city that has a soul and a swagger that can't be replicated. That's the vision that we have and the path forward for our city. But in order to get there, we're going to have to address the issues that we have around crime. On all sides of the aisle, this isn't about partisanship. This is about us. This is about our city, our state. 
it's not a unifying message. And that is what so many of our listeners have told us. Because yesterday, the mayor was going on with this racist rhetoric. And that's what we're going to call it. Because it's not uniting blacks and whites in the city of Memphis. His comments yesterday, quote, we are the largest majority black city in the nation. My goal is for us to wear that as a badge of honor. And the question we posed in the first hour is, what about the rest of us, Mr. Mayor? I mean, think about this for one second. If the roles were reversed, you have the mayor of Germantown. And he says, when people think of Germantown, I want them to think of white wealth. I want them to think of us as being a white city. And I want, when people think of the city of Germantown, to view our whiteness as a badge of honor. Can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine the uproar? The mayor would be gone. But this is what happens when you have a community activist or organizer now leading this city. First of all, it's pandering, but then it's racist. And so what you guys have been saying, wanted to read some of these comments because you guys have been active. My boss said, Todd Starnes writing this, what the mayor is telling the rest of us is that our lives really don't matter. We're just supposed to shut up and pay your taxes. A lot of people agreeing with my boss. Jimmy writes, this guy may start a race, a race war at this rate. S-M-H, shaking my head. Jennifer writes, while he is worried about being a majority black city, the crime is running a lot of black owned businesses out of this city. She also says SMH, <laughs> shaking my head. I love this. Um, so many, uh, so many of you guys are saying, Josh writes this, who pays 99% of the taxes in this city? Just curious. Josh, that is what they would deem a racist thing to say. We cannot ask that question, but we will on this program. Boyle A. Frog is the username on X, writes, the rest of you should probably just have an exit strategy. Yeah, what happens when they tell us basically to get out of this city because we don't matter because we're not black? It's a fair question. I mean, he's saying the quiet part out loud. Elon Musk for president 2024. I think that is his alternative name. This is not actually Elon Musk from Twitter writing us but he may, because I think Elon is a conservative. But this user wrote, if you're white, this means get out of Memphis. That is the message that the mayor is sending to the entire Memphis city proper. And it's interesting if you listen to many of these activists and how they view that part of town. The Germantown, the Collierville people, the people that live in Chickasaw Gardens. You don't matter to these people. If you read between the lines on all of these different issues, when you hear a press conference, I encourage you to listen closely to what they say. Because within those fine lines, you will find that their rhetoric is reverse racism. Because it's to correct the wrong of slavery, therefore we will double down in our racism. That is what this is. And we talked uh, two days ago about Section 8 housing. And I don't want to ramble on about this, but when President Obama rolled this, rolled this out, it was to destroy suburbs and their crime was because they were white and they were wealthy. And this is what this is. And it's incredibly divisive and it's disappointing because I said there seems to be an evolution process happening 
within the mayor's office. The same mayor that came on KWAM just a couple months ago, they said he would be a mayor for Republicans, for Democrats, for white Memphians and black Memphians is now zeroing in on an extremely divisive racist rhetoric. And what you guys have reminded me is maybe that was who he was the entire time. And do you masquerade that until you get elected? And this is what we have now. It's a provocative question. And I would love to know your thoughts. 901-260-5926 is our telephone number. 901-260-5926. More on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. 38 degrees in the city of Memphis. I want to shout out my doorman at my apartment complex. They're so cool and so kind. But not only does he make sure that the tenants of my apartment complex are safe, he is my weatherman. He is the meteorologist for Ben Dieter. And he told me, Ben, you've got to bundle up. It's freezing outside because it's been really warm. You guys know that. 38 degrees today. Highs in the low 50s. But we will see over the weekend those temperatures jump up into the 70s and lots of sunshine. So cannot complain about about that. You know, who can complain are the the folks that were affected by the rat issues at the Family Dollar Distribution Centers in West Memphis. Do you guys remember this story? This was huge last year. Family Dollar has now pleaded guilty, put their hand on the Bible and said, we confess. And now they're agreeing to pay more than, get this, $41 million dollars for their rat-infested conditions at their distribution center in West Memphis, Arkansas. The company agreed to plea guilty to one count of misdemeanor violation relating to the unadulteration of FDA-regulated products. The U.S. Department of Justice says the $41.61 million fine and forfeiture amount is the largest ever monetary criminal penalty in a food safety case. And what they said is that family dollar in the distribution center knew that's the horrible part but that's the criminal component of this that they had rats and this is what is in the report and in the inspection reports revealed that live rodents dead and decaying rodents rodent feces urine and odors and evidence of gnawing and nesting throughout the facility were well aware to the distribution facility um officials like they knew about this, and it was all in your cereal, actually. Like that's not like a fake headline. So Family Dollars Chairman CEO Rick Drilling released the following statement. Basically, I don't want to bore your time. This will not be repeated. That's what you need to know. And that makes me happy. Case closed, and hopefully that does not happen ever again. So there continues to be this trend with all of these students at MSCS having to go to Le Bonheur. And it's not for being shot. It's not because they're being pepper sprayed, which is a thing. We've been covering these stories. Before students from Airways Middle School showed up to Lil Bonner after eating gummies. These are not these are not fruit snacks. Okay. Lose the naivety. These were THC gummies. These are edibles. So they show up to the hospital. They're throwing up in non-critical condition, obviously. They're not gonna die from it. Now, uh, uh, a doctor at uh, Le Bonheur, his name is, uh, I want to get his name, Dr. Rudy Kink. He is a physician at Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. 
He says they've been seeing an uptick in this, and he has a couple suggestions, starting with if parents have THC gummies, these edibles in their homes, you've got to lock them away and store them separately from other foods because the kids are grabbing them as they head out the door. You know, they're packing their own lunch. They grab mom and dad's edibles, which, last check, weed is illegal here. So I don't know that that's good advice. So I want you to take a listen to this. These are a couple moms. Well, one mom speaking to Fox 13. Then you'll hear Dr. Kink on this growing problem of these edibles. Cut 16, please. Incoherent. She she had like a dazed look on her face. She just kept saying that her stomach was hurting, her stomach was hurting. A lot of vomiting. Uh, a lot, a lot of vomiting. Um, incoherent. It was really shocking to see all these kids coming in at the same time. And if they see it, they should let the parent know that someone has it and alert school teachers and things like that if they see it at school just kind of educate the kids as well to uh, provide that kind of um, education to them and to their friends like provide the information of not doing drugs kids don't do drugs even if they are packaged to look like twizzlers that is still weed and it is illegal in the state of tennessee just thought we should point that out so speaking of the back and forth between the state's and the city of Memphis. It continues where Mayor Paul Young has now released a letter back to the state legislature because Senator Brent Taylor and John Gillespie are saying that the city of Memphis cannot ban, ban, banning pretextual traffic stops. So I have the letter in front of me. This went largely unreported in the local media, but I wanted to read this letter. Also, you'll hear from Brent Taylor, John Gillespie, and top Dem spokeswoman Amber Sherman in one second. Here's what the letter wrote. I'm reaching out regarding this bill. It is my understanding that this bill was drafted in response to the policing ordinances that were passed by the Memphis City Council on pretextual traffic stops and would limit local government and police departments policymaking abilities. Like the sponsors of this legislation, I feel like it is important for law enforcement to have essential tools at its disposal to prevent and reduce crime in communities across the state. Public safety is my top priority. And to that end, we are developing a holistic approach to reduce crime. We have expressed to the governor, governor's administration and the Senate and House leadership the need for partnership with the state and tools to increase our case clearance rate, including technology and updates to our systems. As we continue to develop a dynamic response to crime in Memphis, it's imperative that we have the ability to determine policies and practices unique to our contacts. Limiting the ability of local governments to pass ordinances to this effect would be counterproductive to our efforts. Respectfully, I request the committee, uh, the committee members oppose this House bill and permit local governments and police chiefs to determine what is best for them. Thank you for considering. Signed, XOXO, Paul Young. Well, here is what John Gillespie and Brent Taylor are saying. Then you'll also hear from the activist in town, Amber Sherman, in Cuddy. The police officer don't know what the hell to do. Now what we're telling them is, no, you don't have to follow state law, and you could be punished for that. And it's leading to confusion among the rank-and-file members of the police department in Memphis and other places. Most of the state representatives on this committee sponsored a resolution to honor Tyree Nichols' life. If you truly want to honor his memory, I'm asking that you oppose this bill today. 
So you guys have been responding to that letter that is on our Stop Memphis Crime page. You can read the full letter, which we basically just read, but you can see it for yourself. JR writing, after reading that, I can't stop thinking about the movie Idiocracy. Tommy writes, Young is a naive idiot. (laughs) That's not nice. Reggie Hall, who called into the program yesterday, says he's ready to fight. Nick writes, remember Paul Young is a clown. Samantha writes, a letter requesting no help for Memphis. The city is nuts. Now, this goes back to a question of state and local control. And on one hand, I think that the state needs to intervene. That is Senator Brent Taylor's responsibility as a public official to protect his constituents and tying the hands of law enforcement. We'll not do that. On the other hand, there is some city control and some city power. And we created this bed, and now we have to jump in it, pull up the covers, and, and lie in it. Elections have consequences. I cannot emphasize that enough. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Should the state save Memphis from Memphis, or is that government control? Is that too much? 901-260-5926 is our telephone number. 901-260-KWAM. We'll be right back. And welcome back to The Morning Show. Glad to have you joining us, all of our listeners across the Mid-South. I know we call the show Wake Up Memphis, but it really is for everybody in the listening area, which includes North Mississippi. We covered some DeSoto County news this morning, and now we are going to zone in on the race for Senate in the Magnolia State. Leading us to our next guest, Dan Eubanks, who joins us on the phone lines. Representative, thank you for joining us on The Morning Show. How are you? Absolutely, Ben. Good to be here with you. I was watching a video that you have on your website, and we'll throw that out in one moment. You say you can bank on Eubanks, and I like that. That is catchy. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it was funny because that moniker was given to me after my first term in the Mississippi House. Uh, Somebody came up to me and says, Man, you do everything you say you're going to do. And and he said, you can really bank on Eubanks. I was like, hey, I like it. And so <laughs> it, it kind of became a uh, uh, just kind of one of those things, memory tools that I try to tell people, because sometimes when you get to the get to the ballot box, you, you, you're like, I remember the guy, but I can't remember his name. And and so hopefully uh, when you when you hear you can bank on Eubanks, you know, I do what I say I'm going to do. And, uh, and my word is my bond. And I've always tried to live by that motto. And so... Uh, that's kind of what it means. You know, and it's true. And we have a lot of listeners that are big fans. You have the highest lifetime conservative ranking of anyone serving in the state legislature in Mississippi. You say and promise that you'll take that same fight and dedication to D.C. as the next senator of Mississippi, which would mean you would be going up against an incumbent, another Republican, Roger Wicker, who a lot of our listeners are no fan of. Um, so how likely do you get to take down a incumbent? Because that is a challenge. Well, it, it certainly is. And, and, and I'm a realist. Um, I, I know that it's a David versus Goliath scenario, but I think that if ever there was a time uh, or a battle that Goliath could fall, it's right now. Uh, people are very aware of how he's been representing us for the last, well, he's been there for 30 years. So, um and, you know, he sides with the Democrats more than just about any other Republican in the U.S. Senate. He's on the opposite side of all the votes that really seem to count 
from our other senator, Cindy Hyde-Smith, and people are waking up. And so I'm sure, I know I've talked to a lot of folks. I work at a church there in, in the Memphis area over in Cordova, and all the people I go to church with are like, I'm seeing his commercials everywhere. Oh, my goodness, how much money is he spending? He, he's dropped about $3 million in ad buys trying to convince everybody that he's, you know, the conservative choice, you know, and tough on the wall. And, and most people remember he fought President Trump on the border. He joined the Democrats on that. And so now he's got he's to change the narrative. And so I'm hoping people are waking up. Uh, everywhere I've been driving all over the state, I am, man, I am crisscrossing the state of Mississippi. And uh, people are like, yeah, he's got to go. And uh, we're not believing it. You know, we're not believing the, the rhetoric and the, and the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's very true. I mean, I pulled up his voting record prepping for this interview and I was actually shocked because, you know, we cover national topics all the time. And, you know, there's some questions with his voting record when you look at how he stood against President Trump when it comes to the elections. And he's one of those people that you cannot ever say there's an issue with the elections and the integrity of them in our country. You mentioned the border. You mentioned a globalist platform. Uh, This does not represent the people I talk to in North Mississippi and DeSoto County. As you expand your reach throughout the state of Mississippi, I can't imagine that's going over well. But again, if you are campaigning now and switch swatching, I butchered that. I apologize. On the airwaves, are, are people going to know that record? I guess that's your job. Well, and that's my job, and that's that is the hurdle. That's you know that's one of the reasons why um, incumbents have such a high success rate. They've got the name ID. Once they become a part of the machine, the money just flows. You know, Mississippi has not organically elected a U.S. senator in over forty years. What they do is we keep them there until they get senile or die, and we we the governor puts who he wants in there. And the people never really have a true choice because as soon as they get put into that position, the money flows and, and it, it is the uphill battle. It's part of the problem with, with how, how things work in D.C. And, um, and so I'm trying to get that message out to everyone. A lot of folks are, are aware. I mean, I, I'll tell you, the response has been incredible around the state uh, with folks that I've gone and spoke to. And, and, and Roger, he's not going anywhere. He, he's done one event. Um, it was in his own backyard in Tupelo. He paid a bunch of college Republicans to put his T-shirt on <laughs> and uh, show up. And then he walks in, talks, and leaves. And everybody was just up. They were upset because they didn't get to ask any questions. They didn't get to ask anything. He, he's like, well, i got to be somewhere else. Goodbye. Boo. And, and that's kind of been the, the deal. He's been a wall on the campaign trail. It's been his campaign team. Uh, we had a big event on Tuesday night uh, there in DeSoto County. It was in Hernando had about 140 people show up there at the country club, uh, and it was the, the closest we'll ever get to a debate. I've challenged his team to a debate. They aren't having it, uh, but he sent his wife, um, and, and I felt bad for her uh, to have to get up and try to defend his record. But I, but I, Did I you debate the wife? Design. Well, it, you know, it was, it, was, it was kind of a debate. It, it was, that, you know, you could say what you wanted if you had a rebuttal. If they mentioned you, you could, you could answer that, and there were questions from the audience. But it wasn't a true debate. Um, it wasn't like we all got to necessarily give our opinion on a particular, uh, you know, policy choice or whatever. But it was the closest thing that we'll probably see in this this whole election cycle that even closely resembled a debate. And he was not there. And so um, that's kind of been the story. 
that I'm hearing all over the state is that he's just not there and, and, and folks will call and you can't get him And, and, um, he's too busy doing Mitch's bidding up in, uh, up in, in DC is all it appears to be. Well, that's fascinating that you bring that up because with the announcement that the leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell is stepping down. This is now a pattern representative where a lot of these, what we would call uniparty style politicians, they put America last, they put Ukraine first every single time they are losing right now. I mean, look at the house right now. They're all leaving. Um, And this again, for a lot of conservatives, people that want America and our borders secured and taxes and inflation and these massive spending packages to be cut out uh they are feeling that momentum the wind is in the sail for a lot of people like yourselves i've got to ask you though because now you're in the state house you were a minister correct you were a minister for years i I still am i mean that's what keeps the lights on you don't you don't make enough in the legislature i don't think in tennessee or mississippi to pay all the bills so that's that's my that's my other job. Um, I always say if you're getting rich in ministry or politics, you're doing something wrong. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I'm still working at a church there in Cordova and, um, and serving the good people of Mississippi uh, down in Jackson. So the state of the state was just a couple days ago. I'm curious, as you sat there listening to the governor, how is the state of the state, if you could assess it for yourself as a representative there? My honest truth, uh, I think it's a mess. Uh, we've got a Republican supermajority, and yesterday we just voted to expand Medicaid. Um, stuff like that that just it, it boggles my mind. And in the long run, it's going to hurt our state. We worked so hard uh, for my tenure, at least, to to cut taxes. We tried to kind of get on par with Tennessee and get rid of the income tax, and and uh, we've we've gotten close. We still have it, but. But we have done some of the largest tax cuts in our state's history. We we are running a, a surplus. Um, there's there's a lot of good things that's happening in Mississippi, both in education and financially for our state. But it's almost like we've shifted uh, this this cycle, and we've come out of the gate, and 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 it's like we're trying to spend everything we can, and uh, we're going to wind up in a, a Kansas kind of situation where you cut taxes and increase spending, and that is not good. Mm. And so I. Honestly, um, there's some really good shining moments and stars for Mississippi. Uh, I love my state, but there's also some some danger on the horizon if we if we start acting like, um, you know, some of these other states have gone before us and and they're paying the price now. It's like the whole socialism mindset. You know, everybody's like, oh, it's going to work this time. It's going to work this time. Uh, It's not going to (laughs) work. So so that's kind of my my brief uh, assessment. Wow. That's interesting. Good. Keep fighting. You know, that's the one uh, drawback of having a supermajority. We see the same thing in Tennessee because there's not a lot of checks and balances. The echo chamber is filled with people of like mind. Um, When someone comes forward and says, let's actually check and let's throw some balance in what we're doing. Those people get termed um, radicals. And I, I know that's been thrown around in Mississippi politics and a lot of people are frustrated at that. I'll give you the last word, then we'll throw out your website. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were about to ask me a question. Um, you know, I, I really, really believe it is time that we start putting America and Americans first. We have the greatest national security threat going on right now on our southern border. And, and you, can, you can tell us 
day in and day out that it's the Ukraine, and we, we're going to be into them a quarter of trillion dollars by the end of next year mm. and leave our southern border wide open. Um, it's, it's time that we wake up, and it's time that we send men and women of courage and a good moral compass to represent us in D.C., or it's going to be too late to right this ship. And uh, I, I want to take the same fighting spirit that I've had for the last eight years in the Mississippi legislature and go and represent not just my good Mississippi folks, but every single American uh, in this country that loves our country, that loves the ideals of freedom and liberty, and go and fight and stand. And uh, and I think that's what it's going to take. And and uh, I, I hope Hope anybody, all your North Mississippi listeners, I hope that they will jump on the, the Eubanks train. Remember, you can bank on Eubanks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you can find out about me on the website. Uh, just go to daneubanks.com. That's D-A-N-E-U-B-A-N-K-S.com. You can follow me on my socials. You can donate. That's always a help. Um, but just join with us in this fight. We only got about a week and a half left before Election Day, and uh, we got to get out, and we got to send a big message to D.C., all right. We'll be following that race closely. Thank you for dropping by, Representative, and best of luck. All right. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you. All right. Good stuff. All right. You heard the word. North Mississippians, get out and vote. He is trusted, and he is a conservative. And we did our our check on that before we had him on the program, which he's been on before. But a lot of these people say one thing, and then they vote differently. That is not Dan Eubanks. We'll be right back. We'll, do I need more coffee? Maybe. Or maybe I've had too much coffee and get a little tongue-tied. We'll be right back. Our telephone number is 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Back in a jiff. And welcome back to The Morning Show. We're going to rip through a couple different headlines and wrap up the show. How about that? Also, tomorrow is Friday with Friends, and I've already got the panelists. They'll be joining us for one hour at 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock tomorrow, so be there. You're not going to want to miss it. These are really fun. We've gotten a lot of good response from them. The only issue is we try to rip through a couple different headlines, and the problem is, you guys, we run out of time with it only being 30 minutes. For example, yesterday, you heard that with Merle Purvis and Joey Solopec. The hour flew by like that, and I could have had them for two more hours. So that is what we're going to do tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So just pull up a chair, and we'll wrap up a week of broadcasting with that. I wanted to share this story coming out of the Windy City, where a Chicago cop is suing Chicago because they will not allow him to change his race. Now, you might be thinking... Well, he shouldn't be allowed to change his race. Well, if you look at their policies, they've now started allowing Chicago police officers to freely change their gender to match their identity. So if you wake up tomorrow and you want to be a girl cop and you're a boy, you can do that. But you can't wake up tomorrow and say, as a white cop, I am going to be a black cop. Well, this guy, his name is Mohammed Youssef. He's 43 years old. He filed a federal civil lawsuit against the Chicago Police Department. And he currently identifies as an Egyptian and an African-American. But back in the day when he joined the department, I believe this was back in 2004, the department only offered three race selections. That would be Caucasian, Black, and Hispanic. He chose Caucasian, and he was a white dude, because there wasn't more options. And so he wants to change that from Caucasian 
to a different race because what he's saying is that it's impacting his professional advancement. He, in the lawsuit, points to the CPD's promotion policy that states that they particularly benefit minority candidates. And the guy is a minority on paper, but back in the day when he filed his race on paper, there were not those options. According to the lawsuit, lawsuit, Yusuf alleges that he's been repeatedly overlooked for promotions due to his Caucasian race. These promotions, he claims in this lawsuit, have been given to other minority applicants with only very few going to white applicants. So we'll be following this. But as it stands within the Chicago Police Department, you can't change your gender, but you can't change your race. Let's go to our phone lines real quick. BT calling in. Now, as I understand, BT, you are in Midtown. Do I have got that right or are you just in Memphis proper? In Midtown. <laughs> BT in Midtown. What is on your mind, my friend? What's on my mind is the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, what they're doing now is more black people going back to the Republican Party than it was uh, some years ago. Because uh, uh, Joe Biden has left the enemy in at the border. They're getting better treatment a lot of times than our Americans that are uh, poor and don't have anything. I heard somewhere on the media where they open in big cities like Chicago and New York, they are opening up hotels and things like that, and they bring the children and stuff in. We got uh, people right here that need help, you know. And uh, now you think about the shooting and stuff like that, black-on-black crime. Does black-on-black crime really matter when you're killing me every day? No, it don't matter. Uh-uh. Hmm. Now, you take the black that killing all day long and all night kids with uh, guns and things like that, 10, 12, 20, 30 years old. Uh, it, it's really sickening now. Uh, they do that. But the thing about it now, why, when whites do a lot of killing, they do mostly mass murderers. You know, like different store, busting the store like that and shoot and kill a whole lot of innocent people. You don't have to have a whole lot of mass murderers that are black, which are all murders and killing is bad. So, BT, uh, let me jump in here. So, what you're telling us is you are hearing more black Memphians ditching the Democrat Party, switching over to the Republican Party, and you're citing the border. I heard that. And also, is it crime? That crime is impacting at a disproportionately higher rate black Memphians? I watched TV the other day, and I saw uh, some old, young Chinese people coming across that border. Unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. And I'm glad you point that out because BT is exactly right. They are not who is actually coming. Let's let's go ahead and we'll drop BT. Um, thank you for the call. And anybody can call into the morning show. 901-260-5926 is our telephone number. It's exactly right, though. They're not sending their best. I was listening to the Todd Starnes show yesterday, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast on his website, ToddStarnes.com. When President Trump came down the elevators and he addressed the nation for the first time as a candidate, he was deemed a racist because he said they're not sending their best. And what have we seen since then? They're sending very, very violent, 
I mean, if you look at what's happening in Georgia, the people there are so fed up with the open border policies. But as BT points out, Chinese. We've also Senator Bill Haggerty just at the border. He reported that there were a lot of young men from the Middle East. It's good to see the president doubling down on his claims that they're not sending their best. I want you to take a listen to this Trump ad attacking President Biden for the direct correlation between his border policies and the death of that young 22-year-old nursing student down in Georgia. Take a listen and cut one. Following some breaking news out of Athens, Georgia. Two colleges have canceled classes today as police look for a murderer. Lake and Riley was described as a shining light. Dean's List nursing student. Police arrested 26-year-old Jose Antonio Ibarra. Ibarra crossed into Texas illegally back in September of 2022, then was released into the United States on parole. Confident this border is secure. We have a secure border. We agree that uh, the border is secure. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. The border is closed. The border is secure. We have taken unprecedented action. Look, the border is not open. Fox News can now confirm that Jose Antonio Barra was busted last year in New York City. But ICE didn't even have time to put in a detainer on him because, hey, he was already back out on the streets. That's how you win in 2024. And to wrap up everything that's been said, BT is exactly right. More and more Americans, I don't care what color they are, what gender they are, what political party they may have been a part of. We're gaining momentum. People are waking up. And unfortunately, there are lives that are lost that are the wake up call. And that's unfortunate. But the silver lining of all of this madness that we're seeing in our country People are walking away and they'll walk right into the voting booth and hopefully vote for Republicans in November. That does it for the morning show. Trip, great job this morning. He's new. We're going to get him on the show. You'll be introduced to Trip over there. Um, and then tomorrow, it's going to be fun. Stand by with our wildly popular Friday with Friends segment coming up at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Be there. Don't miss it. We'll see you guys starting at 7. Take care. Enjoy that weather. <laughs>